What's up, everything? The Blues came back with a bang, but they closed with a whimper when they lost to the Capitals 3-2. There's a banner in the rafters, but is there any hope whatsoever for the season ahead? We'll discuss it tonight. We'll also look at headlines around the league and decide whether it was a mistake for the Blues to send down Quim Costin. We've got all that and more ahead, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Wednesday, October 2nd, and we are coming to you from our cramped but luxurious studios in that weird white box on the ice at the Enterprise Center where they kept the banner before it went up into the rafters. Ian, how are you finding our box tonight? Empty. It's now (laughs) empty. I was using the banner as a blanket, and now (laughs) I'm... Naked and afraid. <laughs> That's another show, and they are not our sponsors, so I think legally we'll have to edit that out. Uh, the Blues lost tonight. That wasn't great. Do you want to start hey, there? Hey, the, blue, the Blues are back! <laughs> but they lost. You know, I, we should start there, because it's what we just watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. pushing it off any further would just ruin us. The people will be furious. I'm, I'm, we're trying to get better. I swear, one of these days will be a good podcast. So, yeah, the Blues open their season tonight with a, what's called a lackluster effort against the Washington Capitals. It was great at times, but those times were very early in the They game. had their chances. Um, but let's start with the uh, beginning of the game and the banner raising. Ian, there's a Stanley Cup champions banner in the rafters in the Enterprise Center. What's that feel like for you? I don't think it's going to be real till I see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it seemed really cool on TV, but I think seeing it, kind of like seeing the new Jumbotron when it happened and everything, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. It was really cool to watch, though. It was neat that they got a picture in front of it with a cup. Um, I guess it's on just one end. It's not going to be by all our Central Division championships and all that are all lined up. It's I guess just over not, a yeah. goal. It looked like it, which is fine. Yeah. It should get its own place, I For guess. Sure. I thought it was nice. It was cool that they had the, the patches on their on their jerseys. They looked really Except weird. The patches themselves looked awful. They looked weird, cool. but when I realized it was supposed to be the banner, I was like, okay, that's kind of neat. And they can auction them off or what have you. Maybe at a certain event, they'll be auctioned off. Oh. Um. I don't know what event you're talking uh, about. but Nor do I. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a lot of fun watching that happen. It was cool. They got to have the cup one last time and skated around. It was kind of weird because this is really the beginning of not that anymore. Mm-hmm. And yet they get to skate the cup around. And it made sense because they didn't get to do it in St. Louis in that stadium. So that was neat. Mm-hmm. But also it kind of felt like this weird, like, all right, go raise the cup for everyone. Now bring it back. Now it's gone. Bye. Yeah, they literally handed it off to the guys to, like, 
Take it away. <laughs> Let's go away to Toronto again. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, uh, it's obviously incredible, and the real punchline of tonight's episode is uh, the boys are Stanley Cup champions, so who really cares, you know? I mean, really, genuinely. That's not going to hold for the whole season. <laughs> I was say, we're going to say we're that gonna after get that. every loss. Yeah, we're going to get there pretty quick, I would say, especially if the <laughs> efforts keep looking like this. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there tonight. They're the Stanley Cup champions. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, really, at the end of the day, they did the thing we never thought they could do, and now they just have to prove that it wasn't a fluke. Uh, I thought you meant lose the Washington <laughs> We did the thing we never thought they could do, lose to an Evgeny Kuznetsovless Washington Capitals. Mm. Um, but yeah, they raised the banner. I think it was, it, was a, it was a sweet moment to see Petrangelo skated around, even though it was a bit awkward. And, and the team photo while they were playing Gloria got to me a little bit. I was like, hey, yeah. I love that song. Now never play it again. <laughs> and then they raised the banner and it was all good. It was cool. And it, it's ironic because I would have I feared the game script would have gone the other way. I would have feared like we would have raised the banner and we'd have been the team that was like, eh, we raised the banner. What do we care about this game? And then later in the game, we're like, oh, I guess we should play. Uh, but it was actually quite the opposite. We kind of were like, we raised the banner. We're freaking champions. Let's go. And then they were like, ah, but we got a two-goal lead, so game's pretty much over. <laughs> right? Um, Classic blues. Never change. Yeah. we Well, we, why don't we go ahead and dive into that? Because I think we've said as much as we can say about the opening. They did call... I did like how they were reading everyone's stats, mm-hmm. and then they got to Colton Pareko, and they said, part of the Blues shut down line in the postseason, which is true, but it's also true that he didn't have a lot of stats. Yeah, we don't really know which one to read. Uh, Steen carried out the Clarence Campbell Bowl. Petrangelo brought out the cup. O'Reilly came out with the uh, Con Smythe, which has to be a little weird to be the guy carrying, like, your own thing. The individual you know? award. Um and they lifted the banner, and it was all good. And then the puck dropped, and the Blues got off to a hot start. There was your ceremonial opening icing, which, you know, mm. you have to have in important games. That's You're just so it. jacked, and yep. there's the whistle. Yep. Um, so, but shortly thereafter, Sammy Blay opened the scoring at 53 seconds off assist from David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, I got to say, not to toot my own horn here too much, but I do, and mm. I will. Um, I've... I've predicted on the hockey writers this week that Sammy Blay would have 20 goals this season playing on that line and it only took you know 53 seconds to be five percent there so good good on you Sammy Blay mm-hmm. thanks for helping out the cause um Perron had the puck along the board here and just made a really sick uh, cross-ice pass to Blay not to Perron on Holtby's uh blind side and uh, Nick Jensen was a sieve for that and Holtby crossed the crease very quickly but he sure didn't do a lot when he get there, got there and the Quebec to Quebec connection uh, connected for the early goal. What were your thoughts on this goal? We're going to have to look up what connection is in French. Mm, there we go. Le connection. Mm, probably. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was just happy to see Blay score right away. I think you and I are in the same boat where we really think he's got that extra gear to actually be a productive player offensively more than just a guy that can bang bodies. So mm-hmm. it was good to see him get on the board real early. It was good to see the Blues get on the board real early. Felt good, got the crowd going even more. Just a nice, yeah, like you said, just a nice pass from Perron. A really nice sort of uh, little tic-tac-toe between O'Reilly, Perron, and Blay there. 
connection in French. The first option is La Lie, which I don't like, nope. but also La Rapport, which mm, I'm very much in favor la of. So that's what that line's called now. Ooh, la Rapport. Or La Rapport. La Rapport, la rapport featuring Ryan O'Reilly. There we go. Yes, I like it. Because um, he's the factor. Anyway. The, mm-hmm. We tried. Uh, the Blues continued to play pretty well and got a power play and scored on the power play. Uh, and Justin Falk got his first assist in a Blues jersey, number 72, Justin Falk. Uh, Brian O'Reilly backhanded it slowly from behind the net to Falk, who was at the point, who uh, was ready there to dish the puck right over to Petrangelo, who set up for the one-timer and hammered it home far side behind Holtby, and it was two to nothing very quickly, and I think this was, you know, what you'd hope for in a power play goal. What did you think of this one? Yeah, this is great because this is our second unit. We tossed out the first unit that was Tarasenko, Shen, Schwartz, Thomas, and Dunn, and they looked they looked fine, but they didn't have a lot of sustained zone time. Mm-hmm. And then you toss out the second unit immediately and they score Looked really good on Petrangelo to get the offense going. I think we both talked about it last episode that we think with him being paired with Falk and the fact that Pareko and Bomeister are now your newly anointed shutdown line, maybe Petrangelo will get a little bit more offense going this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, our, our subsequent power play, as we'll discuss, not very good. <laughs> but this one was promising. It was a good start, and the Blues are up 2 nothing, and you're sort of feeling like they're off to the races, but... Uh, the Blues did surrender a penalty later, and it was Bortuzzo, Bomeister, Bozak, and Steen on the penalty kill. It's weird to me that Bortuzzo and Bomeister, instead of Pareko and Bomeister, on the penalty kill because Pareko's not on the power play, so it's not like he needs to, mm-hmm. you know, rest more, I guess. But maybe that was just the timing. Maybe he'd just come off a long shift or something. But uh, that's a little strange to me. But, I mean, I like that unit fine. And Bortuzzo blocked two big shots from Ovechkin, which uh, I wouldn't do. I'm not man enough, so good for him. Mm. Um, But it ultimately was to no avail as Ovechkin scored a few minutes later, uh, 15-37 into the period. And just, I mean, basically just ate Jay Bomeister alive, but not in the way Jay Bomeister was getting eaten alive before, like early last season, Mm. because he was a human traffic cone. This was just (laughs) because it was Alex Ovechkin, and he wound up for a big fake shot and... Uh, yep. Bowmeister bit on it, Double understandably, clutch. and then he toe-dragged it around him and hit the wrister and scored pretty easily, which is what you expect Alex Ovechkin to do. He's the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL. So I will say it. I don't care what the people think. <laughs> uh, and as you pointed out here, he's scored 18 goals and 20 career games, goals against the 20 career games against the Blues, which seems high, but I wonder what that stat is for him for other teams, you know? There's probably a couple of teams where it's weirdly low, but then there's probably a lot of teams that aren't that different from mm-hmm. us, would be my guess. Uh, any thoughts on that goal besides what we've already said? Sucks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, nice. it's nice from a fan of the Western Conference, fan of a team in the Western Conference, to see Alex Ovechkin score in a way that is not just him set up in the circle for mm-hmm. a one-timer. And he scores 50-plus goals a year. I can't imagine all of them are his signature goal. So sometimes I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It creates from different areas sometimes. Yep, yep. And the uh, Gretzky clock is on. You know, mm-hmm. he's just got to not, not, not very unreachable now. I but. saw a poll from someone in the Capitals fan base that had 
they had put on Twitter that said, would you rather see the Capitals win? It's one or the other. You see the Capitals win a second cup with Ovechkin or Ovechkin pass Gretzky's goal number, goal record. And I think 80% of it was see Ovechkin win another cup. Mm-hmm. But from an outsider perspective, I'm like, yeah, pass that Gretzky goal record. I don't yeah, care about your awesome. second cup. Uh, second period, the Blues were up 2-1 entering the period, and they had some good early chances. Thomas had a semi-breakaway. You said you didn't like how Thomas looked most of this game. Mm-hmm. Do you have specific thoughts on that? or? Uh, I just think that whole line didn't look great. Bozak, Fabry, Thomas didn't have a lot of sustained zone time. It was kind of one and done a lot, and yeah. I think he would have had more time if, or that whole line would have had more time if we had a greater lead yeah, at that probably time. probably true. Thomas also hasn't been back very long, so it might be understandable that he mm. doesn't have his feet totally under him. And as a consequence, that line hasn't had a lot of time together, so it might take some time for them to gel. I hope they that. gel. That is also the line I see Breaking driving the, the most change. Yeah, yeah, like driving the most line change of mm-hmm. anything. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, O'Reilly and Perron had a scramble in net on in front of the net. I think that was on our other PowerPoint, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then it started to go south after that. I would say the Blues were pretty much out of chances for the rest of the game for the most part. Uh, Blues scrambled a little bit in their own zone, and they had been hemmed in the defensive zone for about 40 seconds at one point. Then Bozak takes a tripping call. Would you like to talk about this play? Yeah, Bozak was was as much a victim of the tripping call as any other human (laughs) being that was part of the stall. Certainly including the person who was tripped. Yeah, Bozak uh, tried to check... Siegenthaler, who I've never heard of before, so we must be new. Welcome to the NHL, Jonas Siegenthaler. <laughs> um, we'll never speak of you again. Uh, yeah, Bozak tried to check Siegenthaler behind the Capitals' net. They're both kind of going around to collect the puck. Siegenthaler had the puck. They're going behind Holtby. And that's right when Bozak slammed into Siegenthaler and then bounced off of him. He fell down on his stomach and slid with Siegenthaler mm-hmm. and managed to put his body in between the puck and Siegenthaler. And then Sieg's, as I'll call him, basically <laughs> said, I'm going to go walk over Bozak's downed body to get the puck. And surprisingly, he tripped over his body. Yeah, and it's weird how that Because works. he tripped over Bozak. That's true. Body. He tripped over Bozak's body. Uh-huh. Bozak then tripped him by law of the English language. Uh-huh. And thus Bozak was called for a tripping felony when he at no point in time ever intentionally trip this man at all. Two, two things, two thoughts. First of all, when you said Jonas Stegenthaler, I thought you were making him up, making it up. That's his real yeah, first that's, name. Yeah. Secondly, this would be kind of like if you were a logger in the forest and you chopped down a tree poorly and it fell on you and crushed you to death and then they charged the tree for <laughs> murder. <laughs> that's what happened here. Uh, and uh, it was an undeserved penalty but naturally the capital capitalized on said mm. undeserved penalty with Dmitry Orlov's first goal of the season, obviously, and Nick Jensen's first assist, and Lars Eller's second assist. So a couple of players reached two points tonight in this in this game. Um, O'Reilly and Eller, and John Carlson as well, as we'll talk about. And spoiler alert. Uh, Eller won the faceoff clean from O'Reilly and sends the puck back to Jensen. Your thoughts? 
for shame on O'Reilly. Ugh. You can't you can't lose that face off, buddy. You're what my are boy. You, why are you even here, yeah. Brian? If really? you're not going to win face offs, I mean, get the hell out of there. Just unbelievable. Jensen passed the puck to Orlov at the right point for a one timer. Orlov puts a cannon of a shot past Bennington. Um, we have this gif from our wonderful Gifferson Jefferson Jefferson Jefferson, Jefferson. guy <laughs> Jeff Jefferson. It's got a, it's got a, it's got to change every time. Uh, that the puck maybe slept deflects off Steen's stick a little bit. Hard to tell for sure, uh, but whichever whatever the case, it beats Bennington. Um, yep, it definitely does look like it deflects somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, Takes a little hop. He is a master at his craft, not Orlov, Jeff Jefferson. (laughs) But uh, in either case, it's a 2-2 game. Uh, Did the writing feel like it was on the wall for you at that point? It did for me. It didn't feel great. The Blues were held shotless for over 13 minutes in that period. Not a good look. Not a good look. We managed to get some more shots. I believe that period shot We had a little flurry at the end of the period. 15-8 in that period. 15-8. Not great. Um, so we came out in the third, and we weren't exactly hot. We weren't as bad as we were. Schwartz, Schwartz got called for a high stick on Verana, which I thought was Vrana. Vrana. But they definitely kept saying Verana as if it was the start of Veronica mm. or the fish Piranha. But anyway, per- Verana 3D uh, got a high stick from... <laughs> Schwartz and the Blues killed that penalty. Great job. Mm-hmm. Always an impressive accomplishment when Alex Ovechkin's on the ice. Falk rings a shot off the pipe, unlike the Stanley Cup championship ring, which he did not get, oh. and also managed to get back in time to defend Verona on one on one. He did a really good job. I thought he looked. Good for the most uh, yeah, part. We can talk about it more after. Yeah, yeah. Want, I but. think he started to settle into it as the game went yeah. along. Uh, some giveaways were right in front of Bennington by Dunn about midway through the period. Schwartzen and Tarasenko had a great tic-tac-toe opportunity, but Holtby said no. There was also an opportunity later where Petrangelo, O'Reilly, and I want to say Tarasenko had a three-on-two break and couldn't even enter the zone cleanly. Uh, that wasn't great. Classic. Blay got ping-pong between one Caps player and Oshi and is slow to get up. Heads down the tunnel after getting to the bench. Was he back out? I thought he was back out at one point, but maybe, maybe. I was wrong. Uh, it was not a great hit. Somebody called it a classically dirty hit. I don't know if I agree that he it was... He got kind of pushed from behind. It was definitely a then, high hit. But I don't think Oshie's expecting yeah. Blay to be falling into yeah. him, so I don't know. So it's a little in the middle. I doubt they'll suspend or anything. Um, near the end of the period, Fox sprang O'Reilly for... Uh, Great opportunity one-on-one. But it's not to be, as you say, or as Doc would say, it wouldn't go! So you say O'Reilly splits the D, but it's not to be. Oh, well done. I'm sorry. I wasn't reading it word for word. I should have thrown to you. You're the real master of this. You botched it. Much like this game. (laughs) That's true. Uh, The Blues did survive and force overtime, which honestly, the way this game went after our first two goals... Yeah, right. I'll take it. We got a point. Man, you're the defending Stanley Cup champion. You raised the banner. We're starting it. I'll take it. Right go, I'll take us. it. Yeah, not great. Uh, uh, Jacob Verona HD came back, scored his uh, first goal of the season on John Carlson's second assist, and TJ Oshie, the criminal's first assist. Uh, we gave him far, 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 far too much time and space. 
Verona had a queen look at a shot and took it, and I think maybe uh, might have gotten a piece of it. Bennington might have gotten a piece of it, but I think with his reaction, he most certainly didn't did. really matter. Yeah, he certainly looked like he'd been shot. But we'll we'll, fig- we'll get to the bottom of that story soon. Soon we'll figure <laughs> it out. But uh, the Capitals won three to two, mm-hmm. and. Um, it was not a particularly close game by any reasonable metric. They won uh, 34 of the shots to R22. They face-offs were about even slightly in our favor. Uh, five total power plays, of which we had two. Each team scored on one. Uh, hits were even. Blocks were 12-6 to six us. Giveaways were 11-5 to five us. Not great. Um we were heavily outshot in the second and significantly outshot in the third and completely outshot in overtime four to nothing and we lost three to two. Uh, general thoughts on the game, Ian. I guess I should have figured this was gonna be what it was. I, I really thought, thought we were gonna come out. I thought out it was flat. gonna be blowout one way or the other. I thought we were gonna fall flat and then rebound yeah. to lose three to two, like get blown out three nothing, come back three two. I really uh-huh. didn't think we were gonna Two of them and then lose three to two. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, I thought we looked pretty good. I thought there were times, obviously large chunks of time, that we just couldn't gain control. And I do think part of that is due to the fact that, for better or worse, we were kind of almost down to being like a three line team. Like I said, Robert Thomas played uh, nine minutes, 45 seconds. Robbie Fabio played just a little over eight minutes. So you Kind of had a line that didn't play very much. Blay got hurt a little in the third, so now you've moved Bozak up on the second line. You're kind of down to just three lines. I thought Steen, Sunquist, Barbashev looked fine, but they didn't really stand out to me at all. Uh, Blay, Perron, O'Reilly looked really good. Shen, Schwartz, Tarasenko looked okay. Is it too okay. soon to say that Oscar Sunquist it's was just, an He lost it. Left. He lost it. <laughs> he got you had it, and Benjamin Button back down to normal. Uh, uh, no, I mean, yeah, I think I think nobody looked spectacular except that uh, O'Reilly Perron line at mm-hmm. times. Um, I thought Tarasenko didn't look great most of the game, mm-hmm. which is surprising to me. I don't know why I thought he'd come out really firing, but um, I mean, he looked fine. He didn't mm-hmm. look terrible, but I just didn't see him make much of an impact. You are right about Thomas and, and uh, Favre. Just name everybody on the team, Stephen, just <laughs> until you get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody looked super bad. No, I don't think anyone stood as awful. I thought Dunn had a few gaffes here and there at the towards the end with Bortuzzo. Like, Bach initially, I thought, looked really shaky. There was a couple of plays with him and Trangelo skating backwards in our zone, and then both kind of trying to call out who need, what forward needs to go after who, and then they'd both collapse on the mm-hmm. same guy, and I was like, oh, God. But as time went on, I thought they definitely looked like our best pairing. I mean, Bomeister Pareko looked fine, but there wasn't any standouts aside from really Bomeister getting walked there for a little bit. Uh-huh. Um yeah, and then Bennington, I thought, looked generally fine, but also I feel like he gave up some fat rebounds. 
here yeah. and there. I felt a little shaky on him, but the more Ovechkin pumped pucks at him and the more he stopped them, I <laughs> the better he, I felt. I think he looked better through the game, ironically, because they did their scoring later on, but he scared me a little at the start, and then by the end he looked fine, and, and even if he got a piece of that Verona shot, I mean, from where he shot it and the amount of space he had in three-on-three, three, it's not exactly a, you know, I mean, it's not great. You should stop anything you get a piece mm-hmm. of, but it's not the end of the world. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's one game. You know, we can do our analysis mm-hmm. next week in terms of trends of the team. I'm ready. I'm ready for more. It's well, one of those stars on Saturday. Yeah, and then who else do Leafs we have? On Monday, Ooh. and then sends a week from today. Okay, so and they're all on the road. Three games next Thursday mm-hmm. when we next record. So that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. We'll enjoy that, and we'll have a lot more to talk about then. Um, but is there anything else you want to touch on from this game? I mean, I hope Boy is okay, but the nice thing is if he's you know banged up for a while, Stanford can step right mm-hmm. into that role. You've got AHL death, too. Um, yeah. What I happened know. last year in our first game? Oh, we got drubbed 5-1 we against the Jets. We got blowed out by the Jets, yeah. yeah. And we were like, oh, that's, you know, it's it's bad, but it's nothing, you know. And Yeah. So this this was already this better. better. It's a huge improvement. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I think this team is great. I really yeah. do. I think they're fine. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anything else to say about that? No, not really. I'm like I said. I'm just. It was one of those things where once you watch it, you're like, okay, it's done. I'm ready for more now. I want to see more of this. Yeah. I'm happy it's back. We kind of talked about it a little bit. Maybe this transitions us out of this game, but I'm happy that hockey period is back. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that I can turn on the TV and see like the Sharks and the Golden Knights or Toronto and uh, Ottawa. I can mm-hmm. see other teams, especially other teams that we haven't seen in a long time that either got bounced early in the playoffs or just didn't make it. Period. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of cool storylines in the in the league this year. I think. I agree. Uh, update on the Corsi Four. I forgot to mention. Uh, we had 58 percent in the first period, and then 33 percent in the second mm. and the third period. Mm. Not great. We had 100 percent of the high day. A hundred percent of the high danger chances in the first, and fifty percent in the next two periods. I will say that I will give the Blues credit in the fact that, especially in the first, and they kind of got back to it in the third. They were doing a lot of going below the goal line, goal line, the opposing goal line, and pumping the puck out to right in front in the slot, mm. whether or not there was a ready Blues player there. And I think that's great. I would love to see this team do that constantly because mm-hmm. it at least gets you're in, have the puck in deep and you're trying to create offense and even if it's just a scramble or whatever, it's it's something where you have the opposing team turning their back to people coming in. So it was we looked really dangerous when we were doing that in the first, and I don't know if we got away from it or they just became wise to it and were cutting off the corners around the goal. But I would love to see us keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't, we don't need to belabor the point with that game. The loss sucks. We raised a banner. That's great. We got a point. We got a point. It wasn't even a divisional opponent. <laughs> great. What and we're better good? on the road. I don't yeah. know. So that's got to stop though, by the way. <laughs> I know. I mean, Can we not lose at home all the if, time? If we go on this road trip and we're 3-0 and 1 by the end of it, I'm going to be like, come on guys, let's stop this. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. And we're one game into the season. The season started. Hockey's back. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, want to talk about contracts first and then talk about the roster decisions? Or how do you want to do this? Um, what do you want to talk about? Maybe let's talk uh, roster decisions. 
Okay, let's start there. Uh, I mean, the, there's one big roster decision that people are interested in, and then a lot of smaller ones, I think. Lots of decisions were made, but <laughs> only one Were there matters. any surprises other than the one? No. Okay, so why don't we just talk about Quim Costin not making the final uh, Blues roster after, to be fair, a, a really spectacular yeah. uh He had a much better preseason, pre-season camp than I was expecting. Um, I think, I mean, I am fine with this. I talked about it last week a little bit about thinking he probably deserved to make the roster mm-hmm. just for the sake of like, let's just do it. Yeah. Let's give him, give him a taste. Give him the taste. Yeah. And, that sometimes that's motivational. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you'll never know. <laughs> but he, uh, did get sent down and people were, Unjustifiably upset, mm-hmm. I think. Your thoughts first, and then I'll give some of mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had a poll too. I don't know if you're looking I'll, at I'm poll. getting okay, it. Gotcha, I'm getting gotcha. it. I didn't want us to forget. No, no, no. So I agree. I think we were both of the same mind that really it would have been nice if Costin stayed up, even if it was just for a pat on the back. Hey, you played great in the preseason. Here's maybe a game, maybe not a game. Maybe you just scratch for three games and then we send you down. But a taste. You're with the team. You're with the team. You travel on the road with them. See, now that would have been kind of interesting, especially with this like four-game uh, road swing they're about to have. And then you send him back down to the AHL if he played you know, just fine. And you go, there's your taste and this is your motivation. Look how fun that was or how cool that was or how much work. You see how hard this team plays or players in the NHL play. This is how much work. This is your gap. This is what you have to to do this season. So that would have been nice. But if they really don't think they have the spot for him or they're willing to give him time, then I don't want him up here just riding the pine for like... 20 games or half a season or whatever, I'd much rather him be in the AHL playing top-line minutes, which God knows that's what he's going to get. I'll say this, and I'm it will contradict some of the things I'm about to say, <laughs> but if Blay is actually hurt mm-hmm. for a while, which I hope he's not, but if he is and they wanted to, they could call him up and play him there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Sanford will get the first crack at it, but... I wouldn't mind that. Well, that's the perfect line to try him out yeah. on, too. Yeah. Because he's going to be sheltered by those guys, and he'll get good minutes. But, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I agree with you that uh, if he's not going to get the time up here, he needs to go down. You have more thoughts mm-hmm. to add to that? Well, I just, he's going to, what is he, he's 20? Uh-huh. He's 20. He played his first AHL may, season last year. He may be 21 year. now. Second last okay. year. Okay. Oh, it was the second last yeah, year. Yeah, because he had the first one that was all screwed up because of the fake oh, our AHL situation. Our fake AHL. Yeah, he's he got is twenty. He's got time to grow. Not yeah. everyone's going to be Robert Thomas what? or Robbie Fabry. Most people aren't, and that's not to say that they're, he's not even going to be that like to their level or that good. It yeah. just means like sometimes there's a transition period. Sometimes it just takes a little longer to learn. Well, I will say this as someone who was critical of of Costin earlier this summer, and we mm-hmm. when we did our prospect pyramid, I kind of lobbied to have him down. I mean, I don't. We didn't fight about it. But you lobbied I very hard. Argued for and put him in the fourth tier, which I know a lot of people. Didn't like, and certainly I've eaten some crow on in the last few weeks. But my my point in doing that was just to say this takes time, and he hasn't shown enough to jump right into the NHL now, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But 
he needs to show more. And then he went out into the preseason and he showed more. And, you know, if I did it right now, I probably would be in the third tier again. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I have no vendetta against Quim Costin. Um, But the reality is, and I I guess, should we transition to the poll now? Yeah. I, uh, you know what? Transition. (laughs) I'm going to do an impromptu drop-in of our returning segment Uh, The worst take I've ever seen this week. (laughs) What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. So that's against the rules, and you can't sit with us. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. The world! Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. You can't sit with us! And may God have mercy on your soul. So we threw up a poll, and this was a little bit masochistic of me, because I knew what was going to happen. And recency bias is a thing. And so... It's written about in books. It's science... Studied. Stuff, yeah. Um, and so I get that, and I and I don't fault anyone who is excited about Quim Costin. I really don't. I don't. I don't want this to become that. But we put up a poll about, and and maybe I phrased it badly too, because I said, uh, which player is the more interesting slash important prospect to you? And out of two hundred and twenty-two votes, exactly seventy percent of respondents said Quim Costin between him and Jordan Kyrie. Now. That's a thought you're allowed to have. Mm-hmm. It's incorrect, <laughs> but you're allowed to have it. And I, I, I get the excitement around Colin Costin. And right after the right after the preseason was the wrong time to go there, probably, especially since Jordan Kyrie didn't even play because he's hurt. Should I ask this question when we were in our ten game losing streak That's doldrum? Right. That's right. Uh, but I don't. I want to be careful not to do this. As a as an attack on Quim Costin at all because it's really not. But I think it's more about people are really sleeping on how good Jordan Cairo could be, and I think it's because of this weird connection he has to Ty Ratty, which mm-hmm. I I do not understand at all. I don't. I mean, what what is the connection exactly that they're both fast? Mid and mid thirties to fifty pick, and they was, kind of look similar, but not really. Was Ty Ratty ever our top prospect? Maybe he, he was. Might, for a while. He might have been like right around when he got drafted. But we had a while where we just didn't have any very good. Well, prospects so that's the thing. Too. So to throw back to the prospect pyramid, he might have been our top prospect, but he would have been like. In all honesty, like a tier four at best. Yeah, I think maybe his, a tier three at his height. Yeah, like right when he got drafted. Maybe when when he put up a hundred and ten points with the Winter Hawks, we probably would have had him in three but or two. I remember even hearing after one year, it uh, wasn't there wasn't all these glowing reports of him. After one year, as he finds the quiet areas of the ice, he is a good um, passer. He's got a good. He's like got good vision. And that was it. And then people were like, he's not a very good skater. He doesn't have a very good shot. He's not very good defensively. And that was all talked about, like, I thought at least, maybe in my circles, 
uh, plenty from what I read, and it was mm-hmm. like, okay, so he's going to be fine, or he might need some work. But it was never he was never on anyone's top prospect list. He was mm. never talked about over and over again by media outside of St. Louis, which Jordan Cairo has been, and Jordan Cairo continues to be. Uh, Ty Reddick, by the way, six points in ten games for Locomotive and uh, KHL this year. So mm. good for Ty Reddick. He's found a home. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Ty Reddick and Jordan Cairo have a couple obvious things in common. They are about the same size. Jordan Cairo is actually a little bulkier. Um, but how tall is Jordan Cairo? They're both six foot. Okay, so oh, that's according not, to Elite Prospects, okay. which isn't small. That's not a small player. Way. That's the other thing I that's hear. That's like, like a regular size player. <laughs> I'm like, no, he's just not six five, yeah. which a lot of people are not. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Maybe I have a theory. I think St. Louis Blues fans, in general, much rather see a big body dude that can that's high skill and can do all these different things but they want someone that's going to hit they want someone that can take a hit and is going to lay a hit and that's good i like that player too but then i feel like a lot of fans see a guy that's fast and quick and is not going to be your physical player he's going to he's going to be much more of your elusive player your Patrick Kane, very light. Well, Patrick Kane sucks at hockey. Yeah, I think of we can admit Mitch Marner sucks at hockey. Not very good. Connor McDavid, no good. Sorry, go yeah. finish your. And they don't. And they're. I don't. I don't want to say they don't like them. They like them. Obviously, they don't hate a player like that. But they rather, if they're gonna pick one over the other, they rather the big bulky guy that could be like a blue collar power forward type than this kind of like dainty, real fast, high end stick skill guy. You know. Is that why people insist that Vince Dunn isn't good when, I mean, not, there's not that many people who do that, but I feel like the Pareko to Vince Dunn comparison is like hugely disparate when they had like the same point shares last year, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't know. It might be. I think, uh, I think the size is definitely the biggest Mm -hmm. factor and I, and it's weird to me because this isn't, that's not the modern NHL. And what I think people are missing on Jordan Cairo is that he's an elite skater. Mm. He doesn't just have straight line speed. And by the way, if you've never watched him in person, he is the fastest player you've ever seen skate in a Blues jersey. I can guarantee it personally because I've seen him enough and I've been blown away enough enough times to say that. But it's, yeah, it's just, it it baffles me because... We're, we have two great things. They're both great prospects. They're both exciting. Mm. But the idea that Kairou isn't more exciting baffles me because he has the potential to be like a 70, 80 point guy in the NHL. I don't know that he'll ever get there. Maybe he's only 50, 60, but he's got that potential to be your real, like Jonathan Huberdeau, like shifty, fast, playmaking winger. And Costin, I think, as good as he is, isn't isn't Tarasenko. I think that's the other thing. He's big and he's Russian, and oh, some yes. people say he's Tarasenko. And it's like, yes and no. I mean, he's got some of the same characteristics, but he's not a sniper. Hmm. You know, he's a more of a power forward David Backus type, and that's fine. You need those too. But if he, anything, he's more of a Wayne Simmons and not a you know a Tarasenko more yeah. or an Evander Kane. Well, Kane's too much of a sniper too, and also Costin doesn't beat up officials, so he's got mm-hmm. that going for him. But I don't know. It's not. It's not to fight. It's not to pick a fight between the two. It's just 
Um, it's just it's more about like why are, why are people sleeping on Jordan Cairo? And and I think we've kind of answered that is the think, size and the yeah comparisons. I think some of it too this year is that he was injured and he yeah just wasn't able to play in camp. And, he, and and the other thing is we've already seen Cairo struggle in the NHL. Hmm. And that's true. That's a good point. Which is a big thing. So maybe I'm being unfair to people a little bit. I just and and we probably obsess way more about prospects and rankings than other people do. So I could be being unfair in general. We but like lists. Yes. And pyramids. Mm. And shapes, blocks, Lincoln. Geometry. <laughs> oh no. We're I'm very tactile. I am very tactile, it's true. Uh but yeah, it's just I don't sleep on Jordan Kyra, people. If it's not this year, he's gonna arrive in this league. And he's going to take it by storm, I think. And I hope Quim Clawson does, too. And I hope Scott Farinovich and Mitch Reinke and, you know, Torchenko and Foley and Mikula and Tucker. I mean, I hope they're all amazing. What about Nikolai Craig Christensen? Nikolai Craig. He's 6'3". Did you know he's 6'3"? He's got a big body. Oh, every time he steps on the ice. Oh, I hate that so much. That's the thing, too. It's like... There's this misconception that size automatically means better. Like, mm-hmm. do you guys know how big John Scott was? Mm-hmm. He was real freaking big. Real big. He was like 6'9". Not good at hockey. All-star, though. All-star captain. Mm-hmm. All-star MVP. Great story. But all I'm saying is, don't sleep on Jordan Cairo. Be excited about Quim Costin. Don't sleep on Jordan Cairo. That's all I want to say. I don't know. Any more thoughts on that? Lots of lots of uh, lots of prospects worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, and that's the fun. One of the fun things about this season is uh, we've got a lot of both to look at, and we're you know we've got a good future and a great present. So it's nice we don't have to focus on one or the other. Um, but a mostly shitty pass <laughs> until last year. That's true. Cody Glass has his first NHL goal. That kid's going to be a stud. Mm-hmm. Speaking of great prospects, that kid is a stud. Um, what shall we talk about next? Contracts. Contracts? Let's talk about contracts. contracts. So the last the last of the RFAs signed before the end of the... Ooh, just how to, boring. Just to bore us all. And all of these contracts make the Braden Point, or the uh, Mitch Marner contract look that much worse. Hooray! Go Kyle Dubas. Uh, My, Miko, Michael Rantanen, <laughs> signed for six years at $55.5 million, which is an average annual value of $9.25 million. Thoughts on the Miko Rantanen signing? Miko Rantanen last season had 87 points, and then the year before he had 84 points, and he's averaged up to, what is that, like 30 goals in the last two seasons each season? Uh-huh. And I think this is, in a, in a crazy way, almost a steal of a deal. Mm-hmm. I think getting Miko Rantanen for under $10 million is gangbusters. Great for them. I agree. Kyle Connor, seven years, $49.98 million. Was he born in 98? Probably. Probably. Why are they doing that? Because they're children. Because they I mean, make they so are. much money that they get to just make their co- salaries into jokes. I know, yeah, <laughs> I make so much money. Might as Imagine well. Imagine going into a, co- a co- uh, like a contract negotiation or asking for a raise with your boss and saying, uh, actually, though, I was born on April 17th, so could you make it end in a 1-7 instead? Kyle Connor um, looks so much better in this picture on Hockey Reference where he just has like a regular haircut. 
And now he does the weird long hair. I don't know. Mm. He looks real nasty. That's not good. Also, born in 96 and wears 81. So I don't know what the 98 is about. He's American? Yeah. I found that out the other day, too, and was a little surprised. I don't know. Yeah. Go Team America. Get us back in the Olympics. Quentin Township. I think we've discussed this before because of our obsession with him being a valley girl. That is a that is a white collar community. <laughs> that is a like no collar community. That is your servants wear the collars oh. in this household kind of community. Mm-hmm. I can just tell by the name. Uh, seven years, forty nine point nine eight million. So for a seven point one four AAV, um, very good deal. I think. I think so. A little bit. I mean, the seventh year makes it better. How many points did he have last year? 66. So that's... 34 th- goals. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I like Kyle Connor a lot. I would rather mm. have Kyle Connor locked up long-term than Patrick Wine, which mm. is appropriate because they sure don't. Patrick Wine signs a two-year deal with an AAV of $6.75 million. He is not going to be a Winnipeg Jet for long. Do you agree? Yeah, do you think he gets traded this year or next? I think he gets traded summer, probably. Summer. I think they're probably cowards about he's, it. He's an Anaheim duck. They're going to want... That would be so duck-like. I think they want like that little extra firepower. He's so nonsensical. They're so like not ready to contend. So, of course, they'd be like, yeah, give us Patrick Wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that might be a good fit for him overall. So they had the discussion on the Steve Dangle podcast about... Well, Adam and Jesse pretty much were like, well... Patrick Laine is a 40-goal scorer, and he was, you know, uh, let's see, uh, like a 64-point player in his rookie year, 70 points in his sophomore year, only 50 last year, and they contend that the first two seasons are what he is, and that last season is not what he is. And then Steve basically said, you just don't know that. In the most recent season, he was bad, so he's going off of that and saying he's he may not be good, or he may be more inconsistent than people think. What do you think your read on Patrick Laine is as far as that goes? Because I'm of the mind that I think he is going to have to adjust his game if he wants to stay a 40-goal scorer, 70-point you know, player. Mm-hmm. Because right now he is like a complete passenger. Mm-hmm. And when he's not scoring, he is nothing. And granted, it took... Tarasenko some seasons to figure that out too um, and I can't say I watched too many Jets games but I do remember Tarasenko at least trying being ineffective but trying I feel like I've heard a lot of Jets fans say that Line A isn't even trying when it comes to defense or play from you know away from the puck and I, that's what I think is going to get him traded more than anything honestly than the lack of scoring it's going to be oh he's lazy we need him off this team. Well, it's that weird combination, I think, too, of he's not multi-talented. Mm-hmm. And he's got a little bit of an attitude, which is not a good combo. Fortnite will if, do that to you. That's right. If you're the Jack I or not Jack Eichel, if you're the Jeff Skinner, mm-hmm. if all you do is score goals, if you've got a Cy Young-type goal-assist mm-hmm. ratio... Keep your mouth shut. Score the goals, get paid a lot of money, and don't act like you're the big shot. Mm. But Line A at one point was like the golden up-and-comer for that team. 
And I think he forgets sometimes that they got that second round pick or that second overall pick in kind of a like outlier of a year mm. where I think didn't like their goalie get hurt, didn't Hellebuck get hurt or something. Not Hellebuck, but yeah, something happened. Pavelak, I think Pavelak oh, yeah. got hurt and they went, you know, they just played way worse than expected. And uh, I just think it, it's a bad look for him to be calling out Pat, uh, Paul Maurice and... Uh, oh, yeah, asking to be moved up the lineup. Yeah, and it's just like, dude, you got to prove it. you got to score more than 25 ga- goals in 81 games or whatever he played last mm-hmm. year because he scored five against us. And that's impressive. I mean, that shows how good he can be when a team ignores the <laughs> ignores, first three yeah. goals he scores and continues to leave him uncovered. But... Um, it's just, it's, it's one of those situations where the marriage is already on the rocks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Ryan O'Reilly thing when he was still in Buffalo. It's like, this can't last for that long mm-hmm. because this is already rocky. That contract is bad for both. I mean, it's clearly on the one hand, Patrick's not willing to commit to be there long term. And on the other hand, the Jets aren't willing to commit to him long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. Th- I, t- I tend to be more on the side to answer the question you actually asked me. Uh, of he is not what I would call an elite player. He's elite at a thing. Mm-hmm. He's as good a shooter as there is in the league, but he's not a, as well rounded enough to be the arrogant mm-hmm. kind of star of the team that he thinks he is. And I think that will end up getting him moved elsewhere. And he could prove me wrong by having 45 goals this year and looking great. But even if he does that, he needs to do it in a different way to really grab me, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anything else to say about that? Where do you think he ends up in Anaheim? Yeah, I think you, for some reason that team sticks out to me as a team that could use a you know, a large goal scorer and won't mind if he's not playing defense because they have fine defense out there, as is. Because, yeah, the Winnipeg Jets need anyone and everyone to play defense for them because their defense is gone. Their defensive core got up and left. So it's an even bigger glaring mark against any player that can't or will not play defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I don't know. We don't have a lot else to talk about tonight. Should we talk about should should we talk about other stuff or should we wait until other stuff has passed? <laughs> I was going to ask you the same question. What's your gut instinct? We've sure teased him on this mm. episode. Do we want to preview it and then talk about it after the event? No, <laughs> because I would hate that if I was listening. So that's what you get. So you're just going to talk him? Oh God! I'm I'm sorry. Okay. Let the mind wander wildly. Okay, well, Ian and I are going to do a thing sometime in the next week. And I guess we'll talk about it next week. And I'm sorry, people. My hands are tied. I can't control this maniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any other NHL news uh, to discuss? Makes you feel uncomfortable that I'm being so withholding. Uh, well, you know, you can only do what your mother taught you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me being withholding. <laughs> Uh, uh, I don't know your mother extremely well, but I think she's a very nice lady. Oh, very. <laughs> but, so kind. But also, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, we're doing a thing. Hey, Darcy Kemper signed a two-year contract extension with the Coyotes. 
Hey, there you go. That's the uh, Arizona goalie I should have drafted. There we go. I got him. Uh, what do you think the AAV was? Mm, Does it say? Does it 2.6. Uh, financial terms were not released. I bet they were on Twitter, though. Give me a second. <laughs> oh, they were released, though, somewhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got the goods? Does Elliot Friedman got the goods? Uh, Craig Morgan I've is saying four point five million, but is that per year for no, total? That's total. You think so? He's not making four point five million a year. He was like real Jordan good. Last I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. That guy's making two point two five. Like I said, <laughs> they were talking about it on Fox Sports Arizona, and they were talking to Rick Tockett. But I thought it was Darcy Kemper, and I was like, "You should not sign that man. He is sixty years old." <laughs> uh, yeah, good for him, I guess. Good for Darcy Kemper. Uh, what do you think about before we uh, before we move on to before we close out? Two more things to talk about quickly. Oh, uh, one, thoughts on the already we're fine with having a love affair with Austin Matthews things from the NHL and NHL twenty and everything else. Oh, that they're just gonna ignore whatever happened with them. Uh huh. Of course they are. Of course, yeah. I guess that's true. Uh, Tavares is captain. Any thoughts on that? Um, Obviously not always the plan, whatever they say. No, and I I always find it interesting when someone is a captain on one team and they move to another team and then they become captain again. And not because, obviously, they're captain material, but it just seems kind of funny that, like, you've known these people for a year. Yeah, well, now you are their captain. Yeah, it is a little strange. Final question. Mm. Thoughts on the earth-shattering and heartbreaking retirement of Lee Stepniak? Oh, yeah. You know, I will remember <laughs> you. He was never a champion, <laughs> but he was the champion in our hearts. Yes, he brought us Alex Dean. He never brought a captain. He did to Golly. the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You got us Alex Dean and Carlo Coliacovo. I'm I'm sure there are worse trades. Mm. But so bad. (laughs) What a howler of an awful trade. Like, if it had just been Stimpniak for Coliacovo, it would have been. It would still have been like, yeah, but like, "Mm, that's not very good for them in the long run. We got, whatever I looked up, we got like 400 career games out of Carlo Coliacovo. You forget that it's like, oh, he was here for a little bit. No, he was here for many seasons. Well, and think how many more we would have had if he wasn't spoiled. <laughs> he was good even for having bones of glass. Uh yeah. We got uh, a lot of that out of him, and then Alex Dean is like like fourth or fifth all time career games mm-hmm. played for the blues and had a thirty goal season here or there. Two eighty four career games here for Koliakovo. Oh, okay. Ninety one points in that time? I wouldn't have thought even that. He had a 32-point season in 67 games? Mm. Wowzers. Okay, Splody Bones. I see you. I see you. And now you're talk show host in uh, Toronto area. Mm. So, yes, thank you to Lee Stemniak for uh, for being a part of that. Um, thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. We love you. Um, we love all of you for listening. We will be back next 
Thursday, and then the schedule gets a little a little wacky after that. We'll keep you posted, but uh, that's only if we survive survive this happening tomorrow night mm-hmm. or some other night. I don't know. It could be any night. Who knows? But we'll talk about it next week, uh, unless the you know unless the the paper covers it first. Who knows? Who knows? We'll figure <laughs> the it papers. out. The papers. Oh goodness. <laughs> but uh, until we meet again, sayonara and goodbye. See you later.